Hello, and welcome to the Jim Baker Family Show. Coming to you from the village of Morningside, USA, snuggled in the beautiful Ozark Mountains. Today, our special guest is the host of the Eric Metaxas Show and the best-selling author, Eric Metaxas. Also, senior pastor of Mount Calvary Powerhouse Church in Poplar Bluff, Missouri, Bishop Ron Webb. Our co-host today, Armando De La Vega. And I'm Ricky Baker. And now, live from Grace Street at Morningside, USA, here are your hosts, Pastors Jim and Lori Baker. Thank you, Ricky Baker, and welcome, everyone. Yes. Uh, hello, audience. Are we, uh, there are beautiful people smiling at yes. me. And I'm so glad to have you watching at home. And we have one of the great, great men of God with us today. Yes. Eric. Metaxas. Metaxas. <laughs> He's not here to do our taxes, I can tell you that. He's got more than that. <laughs> and uh, he is the author in the best-selling book, uh, Atheism is, is It Dead? Question mark. Fish Out of Water. Uh, Martin Luther, if you can keep it, uh, Bonhoeffer. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. I got to ask him about Bonhoeffer. Yes. And um, Amazing Grace and Miracles. His latest book released September 2022 is Letter to the American Church. That's what everyone needs to read that book. Yes. And you need to get those books in your library. So, Eric. Can I call you Eric? I'm so happy. McTexas. Is that, uh, pronounce your last name for me. <laughs> There's no real pronunciation. I'm just making one up. It's uh, Metaxas. <laughs> so it's Greek. It's Greek. So the ah. Greeks say Metaxas, but we're Americans, so we say Metaxas. Thank you for asking me that. It is my honor to be on with you. Um, a great honor for me. Thank you. It's my honor to have you. Yeah. I, I, I love your ministry. In fact, I saw you last night on television. Yes. Uh, you, on Flashpoint. Yes. With one Gene. of my favorite shows yes. is Flashpoint. Yes. You, Flashpoint is seen on our network, by yes. the way. Yes. Did you know that? Yes. Every week, our, mm -hmm. uh, that show is run on every, if, uh, three times a week or whatever it is live. Mm -hmm. And it, so it comes right on our network. So don't miss it. That's it's, right. It's, it's radical. <laughs> what, do you know, uh, Eric... Uh, are you on that show quite often? I'm on that show anytime they ask me and I can do it because uh, I love all those guys. They're, they're loads of fun. To me, having fun is, you know, uh, the hallmark of, of the Christian faith. We have joy, we can laugh, and that's so important to me. But also they're heroic. They're, they're not afraid to speak about what everybody's thinking about. And, you know, that's part of the theme of this book, Letter to the American Church. We've got a lot of pastors very timid about speaking about things that people have questions about, and that's not biblical. A lot of people are deceived and think it's biblical not to talk on cultural, political things. It's like, that's not biblical, and we need to be disabused of that notion. So hanging out with the Flashpoint crew, Gene Bailey and, and Hank Kuhneman and Mike Lindell, holy cow, um, it's just always, it does my soul good to, to be with those uh, gentlemen. And I'm gonna be on again tonight. I think that they're doing another one tonight. I'm here in Pasadena at Pastor Che Ahn's church. That's where it's all happening. So it's, it's a joy for me. Yeah. How, how am I getting you flying through the air today? Where are you coming? How are you doing I, that? I'm right here in Pasadena. I am, I am uh, 
I, I was here last night for the for the event, and there's going to be another event this afternoon, another one this evening. So I'm I'm stuck here uh, in the hotel room, able to do this, thrilled to do this, and I do mean it. It's an honor to uh, to be with you. I've followed you for many decades, and uh, I praise God for you and for your your life. I want to ask you a question that I don't, I, I have a set of questions here to ask you, but, I, but I'm going to ask you a question of my own. How in the world did you write the book on Bonhoeffer? Well, you know, there's no good answer to some of these questions because I have no idea how I wrote it. I, I will tell you, I use a religious cliche. The religious cliche is the Lord did it, except sometimes cliches are true. There is no doubt, if you had come to me 15 or 20 years ago, I always wanted to be a writer. I was, a, I was an English major at Yale University. I wanted to be a writer. I was not born again. The Lord dramatically saved me around my 25th birthday, and I just said, okay, Lord, whatever you want from me. You've given me this set of gifts, and, and, but I just want to use them for you, and I don't know what you want to do with me. And so I just gave myself over to the Lord, uh, and frankly, it was a tough road. Uh, it was, uh, you know, as you know, walking with Jesus sometimes is very tough. And I got to tell you, I, I went through se seasons of just very great trials, for me at least, and I knew I wanted to be a writer. If you said to me, Eric, you th ever think you'll write a biography? Because I now the Bonhoeffer biography is the most famous. And I wrote a biography of William Wilberforce called Amazing Grace. I wrote a biography of Martin Luther, the great reformer from fifteen, uh, from 500 years ago. But if you said to me, do you think you'll ever write a biography? I would have said, guaranteed, no. I'm not interested in writing biographies. I don't want to spend you know several years thinking about somebody else. Uh, and the details of their life. I'm too self-centered for that. I, I don't see I don't see that ever happening. Well, as we all know, the Lord has other plans. And if you give yourself to him earnestly, he will steer you in directions that you wouldn't have steered yourself. And so the first biography I wrote was Amazing Grace, which is about William Wilberforce. He is the man who, because of his faith in Jesus, uh, you know, around 1800, so 200 years ago, he he was born again, and he knew that God called him to end the slave trade in the British Empire. He was a parliamentarian, a great member of you know, the British government, and he was born again at a time when very few people in that elite society were born again evangelical believers. He knew God called him to end the slave trade in the British Empire. There was a film made about it. It's not directly from my book, but it's called Amazing Grace. And the folks came to me and said, Eric, would you like to write a biography? of William Wilberforce. And I thought, wow, I don't, I don't know if I could write a biography. How do you write a biography? It's like your question. How do you do that? Well, long story short, I, I, I believe the Lord wanted me to try. And I did it, and I found that I could do it. How, how, how else to, to say it except that, you know, if you're thinking about telling a story, it starts with this man's birth, ends with his death. It's not like you got to invent the plot. The plot is already there. You just got to tell the story. And there's so many other books that you can read and stuff. And when I wrote the book on Wilberforce called Amazing Grace, I thought, you know, maybe I would write one other biography. And if I did, it would be about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And I'll, I will tell you quickly why. My mother grew up in Germany during the Nazi period. 
Uh, my father grew up in Greece during World War II, and they met in an English class in New York City, and I've written about that. And so for me, it was personal. What happened in Germany during the Nazis was a personal story for me. I said, I want to know how did this evil happen? What happened? And I knew that Bonhoeffer, for folks who don't know, Bonhoeffer was a pastor who knew that because of his faith in Jesus, he had to speak out against the Nazis. He had to speak up for the Jews. He was a rare figure because you had a lot of pastors in those days saying what a lot of pastors are saying today in America, like, oh, we're going to stay in our theological lane. We're just going to preach the gospel. We don't want to get political. And Bonhoeffer said, no, 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 no. This is my duty as a believer in Jesus Christ to speak up for those who have no voice, to speak against evil, to risk my life. And I was always compelled by that story. So eventually I had the crazy idea, oh, maybe I'll write a book about Bonhoeffer. So when you say how I did it, brother, I don't know. I just know that uh, there are so many other books written about Bonhoeffer and most of Bonhoeffer's writings were published. So I was able to use all those materials. But I, I can say bluntly, I know the Lord not only called me to write the book on Bonhoeffer, but that he created me in my mother's womb to write the book on Bonhoeffer. And I didn't expect it to be a success oh. because it was a great trial to write it, but it was a great success. It sold over a million copies. It was translated into 20 different languages. And everywhere I go, people comment on that book, even though I've written all these other books. So that's my long answer. If you prefer the short answer, we could start over. Forgive me, <laughs> forgive me for pressing you on, on Bonhoeffer. Good. Uh, is that book available today? Oh, Everywhere, everywhere. Uh, and I, I, I always tell people the one place, I mean, you can get it anywhere, but the one place I tell people to go is go to Mike Lindell, go to mystore.com. All my books, except for the new one, are available at mystore.com. Use the code ERIC and you get a good price. But mystore.com, discount code ERIC, almost everything I've done is is available at mystore.com, and I always want to support Mike Lindell because he's been through it. He's been attacked, so most of my books are there. But it's um, it's a story that I know, and I don't say this kind of stuff lightly, that I know the Lord created me and called me to write the story of Bonhoeffer for such a time as this. And again, I don't just say stuff like that. Yeah, uh, forgive me for getting off to the side, but Mike Lindell is one of my dear friends, and we are in we're in, I don't know what call in business, Ricky. What do I call it? We're <laughs> partnership. And uh, we have, what we, What do we call that? An affiliate program with the, him. The affiliate program. That's right. With all of his product. And so I'm hoping then we could get all of your books through that yeah. source on our, our site. Yeah. Now, forgive me for emphasizing your Bonhoeffer book. But I want everybody to study Bonhoeffer because we need him now. We, we need he, to be the Bonhoeffers you know, now. I, like I read all of his books when I was in prison. Right. And his trilogy especially. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it just healed me. And it, it gave me an inspiration because he's, he went through hell to stand up for God. And the, the Dietrich Bonhoeffer story is now for us now. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to have to go along. But Eric, what was your reaction to the events that happened on October 7th? Well, 
it says it all, right? In other words, when evil is unleashed, you know, we have to have a lot of the people in the American church are very, very naive when it comes to evil. They kind of think, oh, you know, I believe some stuff and I'm saved and I go to church on Sunday. That's not being a Christian. Being a Christian is being a disciple of Jesus and entering into a spiritual battle. And when you enter into that spiritual battle, you realize you go up against thrones and principalities, dark, evil forces. And we're living at a time right now where we're seeing a lot of that. So it's waking a lot of people up to the reality of evil and to the reality that it is our job to stand against it in prayer and in every other way. It's the job of the church. And what is the hallmark of evil? Evil hates God. Evil hates God and the things of God. Satanic evil hates the people of God, which is Christians and the chosen people of God, the Jews. And when you see Jew hatred, you know right away that's Satan. And what we just saw in October 7th, it is waking a lot of people up who were still sleeping that there is evil, that the stuff that we think, oh, it happened in the past, it can never happen again. Oh, yes, it could. And it will happen apart from the Lord's grace and apart from God's people standing up and, and doing something about it. So to me, all the wicked things that have happened in the, 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 the new book that I wrote, the short book, Letter to the American Church, I talk about this. It's Romans 8.28, all things work together for good, that all these horrible things, the Lord is using these terrible things to wake up his people for such a time as this. And if all these bad things weren't happening, most in the church would still be sleeping along. And what happened on October 7th is it's the ultimate example of that. In other words, pure satanic evil, cruelty, sadistic violence. That is when you know we're, we're not talking politics. We're not talking. We're talking about a spiritual battle. Wow. Eric, why are we seeing greater support for the Palestinians than ever before? What, what's going on in this world? I think it's pretty simple. We're seeing what is called reality. We have been sleepwalking. We've been all living in this delusion that we've moved past all this stuff. All the evil that Jesus died on the cross to defeat, oh, that's not really here anymore. We're, we're, in, a, we're in a better time. No, we're not. Satanic evil exists. What is one of the hallmarks of satanic evil besides murdering Jews, uh, besides desecrating uh, the, the minds of innocent children with pornography, with drag queen story hour. What are one of the hallmarks? It's called lying, lying. The devil is a liar. And you saw this in Nazi Germany. What did the, what did the Nazis say whenever anybody brought up some of the things that were going on? Because they were able to hide most of it. Don't kid yourself that Germans knew what was going on. That's not true. Most Germans couldn't know what was going on, but it would leak out here and there. What would the Nazis say? What would Joseph Goebbels, the minister of propaganda, what would he say? He would say, oh, oh that's all Jewish propaganda. He would simply say, those are Jewish lies. That is what these people at this Oakland City Council meeting are saying. It's Jewish propaganda. It's lies. It's made up. Those things didn't happen. And we're living at a time Human beings have always wanted to believe lies, right? We all, I would love to believe that that was made up, that those evil things didn't happen. But it's very challenging because in America, we've been, we've been so blessed in America that we haven't seen the evilness of evil. We've been thinking, oh, this is normal. We're living in a free country. People go to church on Sunday. 
we need to wake up to, to the evil in the world and what is happening. And Kaylee McEnany said it on Fox News that your antenna would go up when this happened. And when this happened, you start realizing, wait a minute, this is sick. This is depraved. And what happened to the Jews on October 7th and the response to it reveals the depth of the evil. But I believe it's the Lord's mercy waking people up. We need to see what Jesus died on the cross to defeat. We've deluded ourselves into thinking, oh, Jesus died on the cross to make my life a little better. No, he died to defeat Satan and death and evil. And we kind of forgot those things existed. We thought in America, you know, we don't have to, we don't have to deal with that kind of stuff. Well, many people are waking up that we do have to deal with it. It is happening. And we shouldn't be surprised that people like the folks at that council meeting, they're deluded. But listen, there were plenty bloodthirsty Nazis that were deluded. They really were convinced the Jews are evil. We need to eradicate them. Just because somebody believes something doesn't mean that it's true and doesn't mean that we need to give voice to their lies. We need to reject those lies with everything we have. And the question is, are Christians in the church willing to do that? Or do we want people to like us? And do we want to just kind of like look the other way? Well, that's what the German church did in the 30s. They said, we want to, we kind of want to look the other way. We don't want to be unpopular. We just want to do our little evangelism. Well, that was uh, disobedience to God. And that's the reason I wrote a letter to the American churches. I'm making the case exactly what happened in Germany that opened the door to the Holocaust. That has been happening in America. The question is, will the American church, which will enough believers in the American church wake up and fight before it's too late? In Germany, they did not. They woke up when it was too late. We are now at that tipping point in America, and that's why I wrote Letter to the American Church. Such a powerful book needed for this hour, yes. and I want people to get it. Uh, Bishop Webb's here with me today. Bishop, nice to have you. My dearest friend, and he's a member of my board of directors here, tries to keep me straight, and, <laughs> and we travel the world over when events take place, and he's the pastor of Mount Calvary Powerhouse Church, yeah. beautiful church. He's a preacher to preacher, minister to ministries, yeah. travels all over the nation. Uh, you're always on the road. Yes. You, you, you're you speaking in, I don't, every year, I, I, I imagine you speak to hundreds of churches because you're, you're always on the road speaking, and uh, you, your, your books, uh, in fact, you, you're a, uh, series is on my television network yes uh leadership from behind the scenes that's right and that leadership from behind the scenes is is so powerful if you have anything you want to give your pastor for christmas your your books thank you would be he, he is a, you're you're really a minister to ministers because you minister to the ministers whenever you travel, and you're traveling all the time. Yes, sir. I believe that's one of the callings that, and mantles that God has placed upon our life, and it's something that we enjoy. And if there ever was a time to support the men and women of God and fivefold ministry, that time is right now, because we're living in dangerous times right now. Your show is on our network on Tuesday at 7 p.m., and it's on um, Saturday, Saturday yeah. at 11.30. Yes. And that's in the morning. Amen. So you're on twice a week. And I want people to make sure to watch it. It's, your ministry 
you know, I'm old. I've lived a long time. I pastored church. I founded it. I helped found, you know, CBN, TVN, BTL, and all that. And I had a, a major church and a major television network at one time. And uh, you have the most unique ministry to ministers. And your ministry and your books, it's like you read my, what do you call it? Mail. <laughs> my mail. <laughs> because you, okay. you write about what we preachers face. Yes. And, and, and then the, I think the greatest thing anyone can do for Christmas for their pastors is give them your books because they are, they are really, really amazing, amazing books. But why is America so divided? It's like, remember how divided we were back in the 50s? Or you're, you're old enough to remember the 50s yes. and 60s. But why are we so divided now? What's going on? It's, even black and white is worse than, are, we're, I don't feel like we're together as much as we were back in the 50s, 60s. Well, one of the things we have to look at the times in which we're living, and the Bible says evil men shall wax worse and worse. And we're starting to see that uh, more now than ever. And, and then when you look at it from another perspective, is that there's a great divide because some of us have allowed um, political affiliations to divide us from the body of Christ. At the end of the day, you know, whether you're riding a donkey or an elephant, Jesus mm -hmm. is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. That's and we right. need to understand that there is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. We got to come back to the preaching of the gospel and loving one another because uh, that's the time in which we're living in right now. There is such a great divide. It kind of reminds you, and, and uh, Ezekiel talks about the dry bones in the valley. They were scattered. They were here, there, everywhere. But they came together with the preaching of the word of God. And I believe we got to come back to the preaching of the gospel so that it can bring that unity back into the body of Christ. Amen. Yes. Eric, what relevant lessons, uh, you know, from Bonhoeffer, the, the German church in the 1930s are parallel with today's religious political climate? Could you share that? Well, yeah, I, I think what we all agree, obviously, that we're supposed to preach the gospel. But I think what happened in the 30s, and it's happened to the American church today, is we've acted as though it's our job only to preach the gospel and not to call out evil. Jesus didn't only preach the gospel. Jesus uh, you know, said it would be better for a stone, for a millstone to be hanged around your neck and you'd be cast into the heart of the sea, then that you would cause these one of these little ones to stumble. He was not being winsome. Uh, John the Baptist said things that were not winsome. Uh, Elijah, the prophet, said things that were mocking uh, and harsh and not winsome. Because when you're dealing with evil, you know, the scripture says we're supposed to be wise as serpents. Uh, and I think a lot of times, because we're in America, we have confused being nice and winsome with speaking the truth. And there's a time when you can't be winsome, when you see evil happening, when you see, I mean, you know, pastors say, well, I don't want to get political. These are moral issues. 
Okay, if you're living through the civil rights movement, that was a moral issue, and it came out of the churches. The churches said, we're going to speak about this evil. We have a biblical worldview. The biblical worldview says God's no respecter of persons. Uh, we're all equal in his sight. He died for everyone. So th these racist policies are unbiblical. They're immoral. They didn't say, well, we don't want to get political. We just want to preach the gospel. They preached the gospel, and part of preaching the gospel is speaking the truth and being willing uh, to, to deal with some division, because there's some people that are not going to like what you're going to say. They're going to come after you. Well, as a believer, you're supposed to say, well, so what? That's not the worst thing. The worst thing is that the Lord would see me not speaking what he calls me to speak. And, and I really think that um, when you think about, I mentioned William Wilberforce. I wrote a biography called Amazing Grace. He was a politician who, because of his faith in Jesus, spoke against the slave trade and, and battled politically to end the slave trade. He lived out his faith in Jesus by working against the slave trade. And there were people in that day who said, oh, don't be political. You're just being political. Keep your politics out of faith. Keep your faith out of politics. And I thought, wow, it's happening again today. When you have uh, a president that has a southern border policy that is letting in all kinds of people, okay? Tons of them good people, some of them evil people. Drug cartels, violent, violent men who are participating in sex trafficking, child rape. That's a moral issue. If the church can't take a stand against that because we say, oh, I, I don't want to be political. How can you not be political when, when children are being raped, when this is a reality? And, and I think that this is... Um, a misunderstanding that the church bought into in, in Germany in the 30s, which is why there was so much silence in the face of the rise of the Nazis. They say, oh, we don't, we don't want to go there. And you have this prophetic voice of Bonhoeffer saying, the Lord commands us to go there. That is, that is what the job of the church is. We're not just supposed to be, you know, happy, clappy. We're supposed to live out our faith. And there are many people around the world living out their faith, knowing I could be killed. Uh, tortured. Uh, I could lose my family for living out my faith. And in America, we kind of have this attitude like, well, we don't want any division. And I'm thinking sometimes it's the Lord who brings the division. Our job is to march through it with him, and he will bring unity uh, as possible. But for example, when we talk about race relations in America, the, ra the reason they're worse is because cultural Marxism, which is atheism, brought us the BLM movement. And a lot of the church bought that, critical race theory. And you're thinking, whoa, whoa, whoa. Critical race theory is not of God. You need to condemn that. We condemn racism because we know why the scripture says that racism is wrong. The scripture says we're supposed to, to, to love everyone and we're all equal in God's sight. That's scriptural. If you're a cultural Marxist, because that's what critical race theory comes from, you're an atheist. You're coming from an atheist worldview. As an atheist, why would you say anything's wrong, much less racism. You don't even have a, a leg to stand on. You believe in Darwinian evolution, that we all evolved out of the primordial soup, and maybe some races are more evolved than others. They don't have a leg to stand on. And so this stuff has crept into the church. It's crept into the culture. And if you take a stand against it, which we're obliged to, people will come at you. People will say, oh, I, I think maybe you're a little bit racist, or you're a little bit, you're getting off the subject. You should just preach the gospel. So I think it's a fundamental misunderstanding, and the Lord would call us to a, the biblical understanding of this. What does the scripture say? I mean, that's why I wrote a letter to the American church. I said, I want to reason with people who 
can be reasoned with. There are many pastors, I think, when they read it, they'll be convicted and say, you know what? I didn't see this. I see it. Uh, and it, it happened before. The story of Bonhoeffer is a story of a man who was, he was vilified by many in the church because they said, you know, he's just a hot-headed young pastor who he, he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand. He's just causing trouble. And he was saying, no, I'm speaking what God called me to speak. And by the way, he gave his life. And so I, I really think we're in a very, very similar moment right now where the church has, has drifted into this misunderstanding. Yes. And it's tragic, frankly. Yeah. Yes. In 1933, before I was born, by the way, there was something <laughs> happened before I was born. Bonhoeffer wrote an essay titled The Church and the Jewish Question. Yeah. Can you tell me about can our audience about that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Bonhoeffer was a theological genius. We got to we got to realize that he was a theological genius. And so the the folks in Germany, the the Christian leaders who were brave, they looked to him for moral clarity and theological clarity, and they thought we've got a problem. And here's what it was in a nutshell: the Nazis were saw everything through racial lines, right? They said the Jews are are evil, the Germans are good. Now the problem is, many people in the world saw things along racial lines. In other words, we hadn't dealt with racism in the world, in the West, in America. So you, you had a lot of eugenicists. The people who founded Planned Parenthood thought, yeah, we don't like the black races, so let's have a birth control and abortion, and let's, you know, that, that had crept into the culture. So in Germany, the Nazis tried to bring that worldview into the culture and into the church. And a lot of these Christian leaders said, well, this doesn't seem right to us. Bonhoeffer, what do you think? Well, he wrote this essay, The Church and the Jewish Question, and he made it super clear that we have an obligation as Christians, and this was really controversial at the time. He said, we have an obligation as Christians to be the conscience of the state, not to step by and say, oh, we're just going to preach the gospel. We'll just try to rescue the people, you know, as everything's burning, we're just going to rescue. No, 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 no. We have an obligation to be the conscience of the state and to tell the state, to tell the government what is right and wrong, what is immoral. Uh, and the, the, the state can do what they want with us. You want to throw me in prison? Many Christians have gone to prison. Many Christians have, we're going to speak the truth. Um, and he said, the second thing is that we have an obligation to stand with the victims of the state. So when the state, the government is persecuting any group, including the Jews. Now he was a Christian. He said, the church has an obligation to stand with the victims and to band up the wounds of the victims. But then he says a third thing. He says, it is the job of the church if the state, the government, does not repent and it continues doing what it's doing, it is the job of the church, the ecclesia, the people of God, to, he uses the phrase, to, to, to put a stick in the spokes, right? To stop this vehicle from moving forward, to disrupt. In America, that was civil disobedience during the civil rights era. People didn't say, well, who are we to comment, whatever. They, you know, we have the Montgomery bus boycott. We have all kinds of people that said, we have a moral obligation to stand against these evils. And Bonhoeffer said, we in Germany have an obligation as the church to stand against these evils. But there were many pastors in that day who said, no, that's not my job. I just want to preach the gospel. If I preach the gospel, I'm doing my job. Well, it's like, no, 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 no. You're going to preach the gospel, but you got a lot of other stuff you got to do. You got to live out your faith. Faith without works is dead. And when Bonhoeffer wrote that essay, some people came along with him and said, okay, this is radical. The church 
has to speak out against the state, maybe take action against the state. You know, we've always had a nice relationship with the state. When the Kaiser was the head of Germany, he was pro-Christian. Everything was great. Romans 13, oh, we're supposed to, you know, do what the governing authorities say. And Bonhoeffer says, no, no, it's a little more complicated than that. There's other stories in scripture, the book of Esther, where you do not do what the government says. When the government says something, you put that against what God says. And uh, if that means your life is threatened, so be it. Because we have a little secret in our back pocket as Christians. We believe that Jesus defeated death. And when you kill me, you actually don't kill me. We're called to live out that faith. And so we're we're at a time in America where what happened in Germany, again, I make the, the in, in the letter to the American church, I, I put the parallels together, but the parallels shocked me, uh, Pastor Jim. And, and as I said, I knew the Lord called me to write this book. I don't say that lightly. I knew the Lord called me to write this, this book, the shortest book I ever wrote, but I know that uh, there are many in the American church that are waking up and thinking, whoa, I, I didn't, I didn't understand that it was my job as a believer to stand against this. And to some people are going to try to shut me down and say, oh, you're being political. And you can say, well, you, you could call it what you want. These are moral issues. And I have an obligation before God to speak out when, when people are attacking children, people are trying to divide, divide parents from their children. That's satanic. Uh, and I have an obligation to live out my faith by speaking against these things. I am so thrilled. I, I I don't worship Bonhoeffer, but I in the, I read everything he wrote in in my prison years, and it set me free spiritually. And I I I want everyone. Where can where can the people watching get your book? Where can they get Bonhoeffer that you wrote? Well, the Bonhoeffer book. Um... By the way, it's being made into a movie. It'll come out this year. It's not based directly on my book, but I'm so excited that somebody has made a movie, and it's a great movie. I have seen it. The book, um, uh, you can get it anywhere. Uh, I always tell people, I think I said at the beginning of the program, if you go to mystore.com, that's Mike Lindell's store. It's affiliated to mypillow.com, and use the code ERIC. All of my books, except this brand new one, are available at mystore.com. Dot com. If you use the code Eric, you get a good price uh, on the Bonhoeffer book, and it's the new edition. And there's a Bonhoeffer poster that's available. It's the only place in the world that's available is mystore.com. My friend Mike Lindell, mystore.com, use the code Eric. But I I think that, you know, if, if Bonhoeffer is a long book, the short book is Letter to the American Church. That kind of makes the case. But the story of Bonhoeffer, as you know, it's so compelling to read about this incredible truly incredible man of God. You cannot help but be inspired by it. You just can't help it. It's, uh, it, it, he lived out his faith in a way that, you know, it humbles us all, but it inspires us all. And, and so I just think that, you know, uh, we're living through something so similar right now. It's horrible to say, right. but I believe the Lord, you know, wants the church to, to see the parallels and to not make the mistake that the German church made. The German church made fatal mistakes and we see what happened. Yeah. And it is now our time. And the, the Lord is saying, I don't want you to make that mistake. I won't force you to do the right thing, but I will call you to do the right thing. And it's up to you to respond. I feel like if we ever, ever needed to heed and hear the voice of Bonhoeffer, we need it now. And uh, so I, I pray your book will become a bestseller again, 
I'm sure it was a bestseller, but I, I, so many people just don't know this man was sent of God mm. in one of the most evil times in the history of America, of the world, really. And uh, do you feel you've been called to sound the alarm to the American church, much like Bonhoeffer attempted to do? Well, to some extent. I mean, I'm one of many voices, but I think what's interesting to me is that, you know, my voice is the voice of Bonhoeffer. In other words, it's like, don't listen to me. I'm pointing people to Bonhoeffer. This man said it, he lived it. And, and now it's, it's sort of like a prophet of God. Bonhoeffer is a prophet of God and he spoke to the people of God and they rejected what he had to say. But I believe the Lord is calling the American church to listen to the voice of Bonhoeffer today because it's not the voice of Bonhoeffer. It's certainly not the voice of Eric Metaxas. It's the voice of the Lord or it's nothing. And if it's the voice of the Lord, we need to listen to it. And, you know, I'll say one thing. Uh, the Bonhoeffer book is a long book. The short version, if people, you know, can't read a long book, I wrote a book called Seven Men. And in that book, one of the seven men is the, it's the short story of Bonhoeffer if, to whet people's appetite. Uh, but that's just called Seven Men. And I do believe when you encounter the story of Bonhoeffer, you get an inner witness that the Lord is speaking to me now. This is happening now. And, and I know that the Lord called me to write the Bonhoeffer book in 2010 for now. And, and when I wrote it, I had a sense that, that this was a prophetic thing. I, I just thought, this feels weird. It feels like this could happen in America. And in the last three years, what I have seen happen, I thought, well, yeah, here it is. And the Lord is calling his people now to avoid the fatal mistake that the German church made. And we know where that led. That church, that mistake was... You know, we forget how bad things can be. Evil is far more horrible than we kind of think sometimes. What happened in Germany, we kind of think, oh, that can never happen again. Why not? Do you think, like, people aren't as, as wicked? The, the, the enemy uh, is not as wicked? Uh, we are we're given, the, by the power of the Holy Spirit in, living inside us, the ability to go to war against this, to go to war on our knees, to go to war uh, in our communities with... Uh, with speaking the truth, but the Lord doesn't force us to do that. He says, if you want to sit on your hands and just watch evil take over, uh, that's disobedience to me, but I will not force you. And so I really, I know the Lord is calling to his people. Uh, and I, I mean, it, it, he called me to write this book letter to the American church. I've never felt this in my life before that I have to write this. Uh, I, I never, you know, every one of my books, I, I look back on it and, and, I, and I know the Lord's hand was on me. But this book led to the American church. I have felt a burning like I've got to, out of obedience, put into words what I believe are the parallels to as a warning to the church today. Uh, and it is a dire, urgent warning. I, I, I don't want to. I wish I were exaggerating, but I know I'm not exaggerating. And I know that, you know, when we're talking about the church. The church is everyone listening right now. You're the church. It's not that building you go to. It's not that assembly. You are the church. And if you obey, the, the Lord will use you. Uh, and if you don't, uh, he will judge those of us who turn the other way. When you think about when Jesus cursed the fig tree because it did not bear fruit, he cursed the fig tree. He didn't say, oh, let me give the fig tree another chance. We forget that, uh, that the Lord... Uh, he commands us to do what is right. And if we don't, there comes a time when it's over. And in the German church, 
at one moment, it was over. It was too late. You want to speak up now? It's too late. You missed the opportunity. And uh, I write in the, in a book I have coming out in April about, it's in the Bonhoeffer book, but the, but the story of Martin Niemöller, he woke up five minutes too late. He realized, uh-oh, I better speak up. And when he finally got it, it was too late. Uh, Hitler sent him to a concentration camp and he eventually survived, but he lived for the rest of his life to regret his silence in the face of evil. And I don't want pastors and Christians to regret their silence and their inaction in the face of evil. I, I, I believe it's the Lord's will that we do not make the mistake that the German church did. That's right. Would Bonhoeffer be shocked today if he was came back and saw America and that we are experiencing another form of the Holocaust taking place? I don't think so, because he, he was... He was awake to it in Germany. I mean, we have, to, we have to remember, it's so easy for us when we talk about the Holocaust, we go, oh, the Holocaust. In 1933, Germans had no clue what was coming. They couldn't dream of the evils that lay ahead. They couldn't dream of it. Just like Americans today cannot dream of the evil that lies ahead if we do not speak out, step up, live out our faith. The German church thought, you know what, uh, if we don't say anything, how bad could it really get? Well, they found out how bad it could get, and they, their minds were blown. And in fact, the whole world, when the Holocaust was revealed, that evil, most people in the world could not believe it. It, 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 it just makes you w want to, to run away when you see the satanic evil of the Holocaust, that, that, that a major Western power, a sophisticated nation, used murder on a scale that our brains, we reel when we consider what happened. We want to pretend we live in a world where that kind of evil can't possibly exist. Oh, maybe in Rwanda or some place where there's, there's crazy stuff that could happen, not in a, a civilized nation like Germany, no. Well, it was worse in Germany. And, and I think so Bonhoeffer saw it, he saw it coming and he tried to warn and tried to warn and tried to warn. And, but I think most Germans, especially German Christians, just like Americans today, they kind of thought, nah, he's just exaggerating or he's making a big, it'll be, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Bonhoeffer was right. He was a prophetic voice of God. Eric, what, this, this is awesome, Jim. This I just is, have to say, this is incredible information. I love this. I, I need three hours. We, I know. You know, I, just, I also though wanted to because, mention, yeah. you know, not to get off the subject, but I wanted to mention, you know, that Eric, you, you have a, radio show is it daily your radio show yeah yeah daily and it's it's syndicated in like 300 uh places and you can also see it on yeah. tbn right it's on tbn once a week on the weekend they play it twice on the weekend but that's just a half hour version i tell people uh if you go to my website if you can spell my name ericmetaxas.com if you go to ericmetaxas.com and you sign up for my newsletter once a week we will send out all the rumble videos because I'm interviewing a ton of people every week. I mean, you know, it's it's two hours per weekday, so that's like ten hours a week. TBN just takes a half an hour and puts it on on the weekend. But I'm interviewing lots and lots of people, a variety of people. It's not always about my Christian faith. It's not always about politics. It's all kinds of stuff. But if you if you just go to my website, EricMetaxas.com, I do what I do to arm the church with information and also with hope and humor, you know, we've got to 
We've got to encourage each other through we these times. We do have to. Yes, we do. I have so many questions, and I'm running out of time with this broadcast. And uh, Bishop, you're going to be with me on, I think, tomorrow's broadcast. Yes. Yes. So I'm going to go deeper with, with this subject with you, too. Sure. And uh, uh, Pastor Eric, forgive me for calling you Eric, but Metaxas, I'm not sure how if I'm saying it right or not. So I, I, You just call me Brother Eric. I love you, and I'm honored to be on this program with you. Oh, so sweet. You, you have an amazing ministry. And um, you have an amazing brain. <laughs> I mean, God is really, yeah, he has an amazing brain. I, I wish like I could, I wish, I wish I could put all of your, are, are your, that what you do on, on radio, do you, are you taping it video, on video or are you just, is that we just, video, sound, just audio? We, no, we videotape everything. I mean, people can listen on podcast. There's an app. You can go to the Eric Metaxas show on your phone and you can listen to it, but we videotape everything. And that's why I say, if you go to ericmetaxas.com uh, and sign up, once a week, we'll send you my newsletter with all the videos. And so you can watch it like a TV program. I was knocked off of YouTube uh, two and a half years ago. And that's how you know we're living in evil times. What was I saying on YouTube that these you know, Marxist powers at places like YouTube would say, uh-uh, we gotta cancel that guy. So we're living in, in dark times, and that's why I think that we need to encourage each other uh, in, in every way we can. And I, I, that's what the Lord has called me to do in these various ways. By, by His grace, I'm doing some of it. I, I really love to have your video every day on my network. Our network is mainly the secular stations. We're or on the major cities. cities of America. We're on in New York. We're on in... Los Angeles, we're on in all the major cities of, of the world. And I want, really want, would love to have you on and we would just put it on the air. And uh, because it's, it's the, you have a unique uh, interpretation of yeah. the message for this hour and we've got to hear from you. You know, so, you're just so right on. Manda, would you call him and talk I will. to him personally? Mr. Eric, I will I call get, you, we'll make this happen. And there's a there's a term that you use that the church has hit an infliction point and we are there right now. And, and you know, letters to the church, letters to the American church is so key to where we are right now with the cultural issues that is dividing this nation. But more importantly, it is dividing the church in every single way. And when you hear of pastors, pastors preaching woke sermons and woke in theology and ideologies, it tells you where we are in that infliction point. What message, Eric, do you want the people to take when they read letters to the American church? Well, the, the main thesis of the book is that we have bought a lie that we're, we Christians are only quote unquote supposed to preach the gospel. That's simply not true, that's not biblical. We have a lot of other things we're supposed to do. When we see injustice, when we see corruption, when we see evil, wickedness, we are called by God to speak against it, to act against it. Christians work to abolish the slave trade. 
Christians worked to abolish slavery, and many of them were told, uh, 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 stay in your lane, just be theological, just, just do church on Sunday, just preach the gospel. They said, how can we preach, what gospel are we preaching if we don't speak out against slavery? They were not buying the lie that they're not supposed to be political. They said, this is not political, you call it what you want. The, it's only the devil that wants to silence those voices speaking against slavery and saying, oh, you're being political. And we're seeing the same thing today when you comment on issues that touch on the political. People say, oh, you're, oh, you're being political. We're not supposed to make an idol of politics, but the idea that we're not supposed to be political, that is simply not biblical. And guess what? If that's not biblical, it's from the pit of hell. Let's cut to the chase. It's from the pit of hell. And the enemy has silenced the church, has silenced Christians on all kinds of issues. The Lord calls us to bring our biblical faith into the public sphere on every issue on drag queen story hour, on what our kids are being read in school, on the on the satanic lie that kids need to be protected from their parents, that teachers and counselors are, are going to talk to our kids about their uh, gender and that they're going to keep it from the parents. This is from the pit of hell. And if the church is not in the face of those doing this and saying, no, we will not have that. We will take our kids out of the school. We will go to the school boards. We will. That's the Lord's people, if we would wake up and do those things, but many people are going to church and say, well, oh, no, 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 stay in your lane. That's not your business. Just preach the gospel. Uh, my goal is to wake people up ASAP where the hour is very late. And I say to people, you know, if you're going to a church that is playing around with any of this woke stuff, you better get out of there yesterday for the sake of your soul. Get out of there. Don't, don't stay in that church. Don't give a dime to that church. But even if you're going to a church that just avoids this stuff, because again, there were many churches in Germany, they weren't speaking pro-Hitler, but they were also not speaking against Hitler. They were saying nothing on the subject. If you're going to a church that pretends like it's 1985, I would get out of that church. I would say the, the church is called by God to be his voice against all of these evils around us. And everywhere we look, we are seeing evil, the transgender madness that has been pushed on people, grooming children, sexualizing children, all of this stuff, the church should be at the forefront of this. The church should be at the forefront of, of picketing uh, Disney, Target, Anheuser, but in other words, we ought to be at the forefront for the sake of everybody who is not a believer, because we're supposed to love our neighbors. How do you love your neighbors in your community if you are not out there speaking against these things? And again, I think there are many churches that thought, well, that's not our job. That's what the German church thought. They thought, that's not our job. We're just going to do church. But the Lord did not die on the cross for us to do church. He died on the cross for us to be the church, to live out our faith. And that's why I wrote a letter to the American church. I said, we're not getting this in America. We, we've been so happy, clappy for so long. We forgot the Lord calls us to this. He calls us to fight. Um, you know, I think there are a lot of Christians that think that, you know, D David fighting Goliath. Oh, that's like before David became a Christian. We would just pray for Goliath's family and, you know, have counseling. It's like, no, there's a time God calls us to battle. And I don't mean necessarily actual battle, but to fight against evil in politics, in the culture, in the community, in our, and, and many believers don't get that that's biblical. That's God's biblical mandate for the church. And, and I really think that you know, when people say to me, what, what should I do? I would say, if you're going to a church that's playing that game, get out of that church because God will judge you just as he judged the Germans 
who went to churches that looked the other way while this evil was happening. It was on their watch, and they said, we're going to look the other way. What happened, we know what happened, and that's because of Christians being silent, Christians being deluded, deceived into silence and inaction. Oh, we're just going to play church. We're just going to focus on theology. If you really focus on theology, it's going to take you beyond theology. It's going to take you into every sphere because that's the Lord's will that we take our faith into every sphere. And uh, that to me is the major, major issue right now. And the question is, will the American church wake up before it's too late? The hour is extremely late. I I don't think you can overstate how late the hour is. I agree. You're so right. Our time's gone. I, I hope mm-hmm. you'll come back. So good. Uh, I, I want to. I'll be delighted, Brother Jim, anytime, anytime. I, uh, I have revered you. I've loved you for many decades, and I just feel honored that uh, I get to have this conversation with you. Thank you. Anytime. And if you could come and spend a, a couple hours with me, I would like to get real deep into what you teach because it is now. You have the now message. Yes. And I hope everybody will read all of your books because you are a now writer. It's it's so amazing. Uh, I've watched you on on television and other places, and I'm so glad to have you on our show today. Uh, I really hope we could get your shows on our network daily, uh, your television parts of them. Even if they're not edited for television, we don't mind. We uh, we want the word. We want we want the message on our network. So, thank you, Eric, for coming with us. It's been amazing, Eric Metaxas. Appreciate it so very very much. Our time went away today so fast. So good. And I want you. We need to support this ministry to stay on the air. Yes. I need your help today. So you can call your pledge in or prayer requests or whatever you want at one eight eight eight. 9881588 that's a toll free number mm-hmm. and you can make a pledge and you can pledge your uh amounts of money and if you want to give the uh to the Christmas variety bucket this is something we give to our family every christmas that's right. and if you have enough christmases they can you know collect these and this will keep them alive if the, 30 years the power life, goes out. The, that's right. right. And that's on our affiliate program. You can go to jimbakershow.com. There's a red banner that says Shop Our Affiliates where you can see everything. You'll scroll down, go to Augustine Farm, and it'll be one of your first options there. Or you can give us a call at one 888 One of the great products that I love is the new Cardio Miracle. This yes. is the nitric oxide booster. It's amazing. I drink it all day long. Sometimes you'll see me with a clear glass here on the set. I just got through drinking some. I had it it right really here. opens your blood vessels up and it gives that nitric oxide in you and it tastes good too. So this is something I highly recommend. I use it every single day of my life. So I would go to that affiliate page as well. And Christmas is right around the corner. So you that have not given your double blessing. Right. We have the double blessing offer. offering. And I mean, you're get, if you give $100, you're, you're going to receive back $200 That's worth right. of Christmas items. Yes. That's right. Fabulous you, Christmas. You can see them on the screen there. The pictures of all the the. the yes. The, like we have beautiful statues of Jesus, the Christmas so many things, great. and all the wonderful items that 
you receive, I mean, if you give $1,000 in this double offering, you get back $2,000. That's right. And listen, worth of before we leave, yes. I'm showing Bishop, and I know we got to go, but <laughs> we have to go a lot of you are calling and, and ordering this brand new freeze-dried raw beef. The servings are incredible. I got a call this morning from Zach Drew. He could not believe it. He's putting his order in, and I'm telling you, this is going to change the way you prepare. Yeah. Real beef, Brass 10 bad. to 15 years shelf life. All you have to do is hydrate it 10 minutes underwater, and it's ready to go, ready to cook. I don't have time to talk about it. Go to the affiliate page, jimbakershow.com. We'll talk about it on the next program. But it's real beef. Real beef. It is. Our time's well, up. we have to go. Please call us, 1-888-988-1588, or go to uh, jimbakershow.com to our website. You can shop till you drop, really. You just a whole series of... And it's all pictured, so you can see a lot of the product. Remember that God loves you. I love you. But God really loves you. He does. Don't ever let anybody tell you he doesn't love you. Bye-bye for today. Bye-bye. We love you. I want to share with you an amazing, amazing offer that we've put together for you, our faithful partners. When you give a love gift of $25 donation to the ministry or more, whatever it is that you feel the Lord leading, we want to bless you in return. Our team has come together and we have put together the double blessing offering. All my life, my dad has taught us that when you have a need, that is the time for you to reach out and to give out of your need. And that is what we are doing here at the Jim Baker Show. When you give a love gift to the ministry of $25 donation or more, some of you might be able to do $50, $100, whatever it is that you feel God is speaking you to do, do it. And when you give that donation, we want to say thank you. We want to match a full value, full retail value. We want to match your gift that you're sending in to help support this ministry by sending you gift items, faith-based Christian Christmas gift items that will bless you and your family during this Christmas season. You can do this today by calling our toll-free number. That number is 1-888-988-1588. Or you can also visit our website, jimbakershow.com as well. But we pray that this will bless you as you stand with our ministry. Let this be a double blessing for the both of us. If you want to see more content like this, like, share, and subscribe, or go to watchjimbakershow.com.